want you to open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 2. And I know that Jonathan has covered this, uh, and we've been there with him in, in Wednesday nights. How many know the word never grows stale? It's always fresh. It's always full of power. We could preach from the same scripture a hundred times, and you'd always get something new from it. Amen. So praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 2. We're going to just... I love Ephesians, and if you ever look at my Bible, you'd know I love Ephesians. In fact, I was reading Ephesians about 4 o'clock this morning, and I got to Ephesians 4, and there's, it's been torn and taped so much I couldn't read it. It's a good thing I remembered what it said. Praise the Lord. But as Christians, we ought to study this book. It's got a lot of truth in it, so that's why we, we do read from it often. But Ephesians 2, 1, he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, I, like I said, Jonathan has covered this well, but we're covering it again. But in my Bible, I underline formally walked. See, there's, there's a truth to that. We're not supposed to be walking like we always walked. <laughs> The Bible says that when you're born again, hey, Rick, Rick got born again last week. The Bible says for Rick and for you and I that when we're born again, old things pass away. Now, when, when you say someone passes away, what's that mean? That's a nice way of saying they dead. Well, old things have passed away and all things, not just... Some things, but all things become new. All things. You are new creatures in Christ Jesus. That, that word means a new species of being. Never before. We're brand new. When we get born again, we get to start fresh. Okay, so you get born again, and then what if, what if you sin? What Anybody ever been born again and just never sinned after that? Don't raise your hand because I say you got a spirit of lying on you. That'd be wonderful. Now, Jesus never sinned. He took our sin. The Bible says he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. But he's the only one that ever lived on this earth that never sinned. But now listen. Once you're born again, yeah, you get to start fresh. But once you're born again and you do sin, what does the Bible say in James? We have an advocate with the Father. That's not in James, but it's John, first John. That we have an advocate with the Father, even the Lord Jesus Christ. And that his blood cleanses us. That he's faithful and just to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. So when you're born again, your past gets passed away. Glory to God. And you shouldn't go back and visit it. You shouldn't have. You remember we talked about, uh, I think it was last week or maybe before, we talked about building memorials and how Satan wants to build memorials to your past and what, when you messed up and what you did wrong. And you have to tell him, like Nehemiah said, you have no right, no portion or no memorial in this. Don't let Satan build a memorial to your past because it's under the blood. If it's under the blood, there is no memorial to it. Not in heaven, not on earth. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're not just, your sins in the old covenant the sins could not be taken away. They were just uh, covered. And every year they'd have to do, the high priest would have to go in 
And he would take the sins of the people into the Holy of Holies. But on the day that Jesus died on the cross, what happened? That's right. In the temple, that big, thick veil that separated the people from the Holy of Holies where God's presence abided, what happened? It was torn asunder, as I think King James says. It was ripped. And it was ripped. That heavy curtain, nobody ripped it. God himself ripped it. To say, there is no separation anymore. You come boldly into God's presence. You don't have to have some person once a year go make an offering for your sin. Because Jesus just did it. There was the sky turned dark. Thunder and lightning came, and the dead came out of their graves. What a day in Jerusalem. Don't you, don't you hope that when we get to heaven, God lets us see how that went. Some of you, uh, Jonathan as a child saw, saw that. God showed it to him uh, about the crucifixion. He was about... Um, three or four, and he he saw, he had a vision of it. He saw things that we had never taught him. When he'd never seen it and uh, for, for, like, years. He wasn't too much an artist. And so for years he would just draw a cross, black cross, and he would put red, like, for the blood coming off from it. That He drew that for everything. He, teacher gave him a piece of paper. Let's draw. That's what he would draw. <laughs> Made quite an impression on him, and it also made it easy for him to draw. <laughs> but praise the Lord, there was a great day that day. And it was a time where God said, you formerly walk like that, but now. Let me read this to you. It says, among them we too also formerly. This is Paul. Listen, Paul. He was the one crucifying the Christians. I mean, uh, uh, persecuting the Christians, wasn't he? He was like the terrorist against the Christian church. So he's talking about himself, too. We formally walk like that. Now, he thought he was doing God a favor, though, but he was wrong. But verse 4 says, but God. Thank you, Lord. Underline that, circle it. But God. You know, when you, they, they teach you when you're counseling that, like, you're doing a marriage counseling, and if someone says, uh, you know, I, I love them and I forgive them, but, they say, if they say but, that cancels out all they said before. <laughs> that word but, they just canceled out. Well, here, but God cancels out our former life. And it says, but God, being rich in mercy, thank God for God's mercy. Because of his great love, which he loved us. God didn't love us with a puny love. God didn't love us with just enough love. God didn't love us with a mushy, you know, feel-good love. It was great love, pure love, which he loved us. Even, listen to this. Even when we were dead in our transgressions. Listen, before you were born again, you were dead in sin. Sin is death. You might have been walking around breathing, but you were dead spiritually. But it says he, being rich in mercy, loved us. He loved us. God loves the world. For God so love the world. Not God loved a certain denomination. Not God loved a certain ethnic group. God so loved the world. And he still so loves the world. Amen. There's, there's people that claim to be Christians. And they, they pick it and they hold up sign. God hates this and God hates that. And God hates you. And God hates this group of people. And God hates this group of people. Listen. That's not the truth. They don't know their God. Well, maybe that they, they don't know our God. And they have a, you know, they have a, a 
form of godliness, but they deny the power. They're just angry. They have a spirit of anger on them. They are walking in deceit, and they are proposing to be Christians. Listen, God doesn't hate anybody. He hates sin, but he doesn't hate the sinner because it says right here that he loved us even when we were sinners. Aren't you glad? Because it's the love of God that draws us. The, the Bible says the goodness of the Lord leads to repentance. Listen, no one is drawn to God by signs that say God hates you. Does that make you just warm and fuzzy? Like, well, I want to serve. God hates soldiers. God hates the military. God hates, and I'm not even going to say the other stuff. He does not. But if we don't show forth the love of God, then people are, can draw their own conclusion. If we're hateful to a certain group of people, if we are, are speak evil against a group of people, then we're not showing forth the love of God. Now, that doesn't mean you agree with their lifestyle. It doesn't mean you agree with what they're doing. But you've got to separate them from what they're doing. Because aren't you glad Jesus does that for us? Because yeah. <laughs> all of us aren't just so warm, warm and fuzzy nice all the time either. But God loves us. And we need to love one another. It says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up. You're saved and raised up with him. Now see, it says, but God... In his great love, raised us up by grace. By grace, he raised us to be with him. He raised us up. He raised us up. He didn't kick us down. God never will kick you down. In fact, the Bible says, when I fall, I shall arise. <laughs> I'm not going to stay down. He says, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Not only did he raise us up, but he gave us a place of authority. He gave us a place of acceptance. He said, come sit with me. That's a place of acceptance. That's a place of honor. It's a place of authority. I'm not going to preach on that, but that, that'll preach for a long time. Just being seated in the heavenlies with him. We're not supposed to be wallowing in the mud and the mire down here. Some through the flood, some through the mud, but all through the blood. Well, praise God. That song is not going to be sung here. But truth be, you might go through the mud. And you might go through the flood. But we are covered with the blood. So we go through. There's a, there, is a, there is a thought there that you, we go through. We don't stay. That we are seated with him in the heavenly so that, this is so that, in the ages to come he might show his surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read that to you in the Amplified. See, there's a reason so that he shows forth that we are, we are on display, that we are supposed to be uh, object lessons of God's kindness, of God's love, of God's goodness, of God's grace. We're supposed to be that. So if we're still walking like in the lust of the flesh and those former things, even though we've been bought back, we've been, we've, we've been redeemed from that. If we still walk there, then we're not showing forth his grace. Are we? We're, we're, actually, we're trampling on the grace of God. I was going to read that to you in uh, the Amplified. C. 
is um, verse 7. It says, he did that. He, he did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor, in his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. For it is by the free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment. I love this. That you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made to be partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands. In other words, you, you can't fulfill the law's demands. You can't. That's why we needed a Savior. Jesus on the main line. Okay. Lest any man should boast. He is not the result. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. Isn't that wonderful? You can't be prideful. You take the glory belongs to Jesus. You can't be good enough for Jesus to save you. But you can't be bad enough for him not to save you. You can't be good enough for God to love you. You can't be bad enough for him not to love you. He just loves you. And he wants you born again, saved, delivered. But it's by grace. It's free. You can't work up your salvation. You can't do enough prayer. You can't do enough reading the Bible. Those are all good things, but that's not what saves you. We're saved by grace. We receive that free gift. Amen. Let's go back. Uh, For we are his workmanship, created in, there again, we're created in him, in Christ Jesus, for good works. That you're created for good works. There's some people today that think, well, no, we're not supposed to, you know, all, you know, we don't work. There's no works. The work's been done. Well, no. The work to be saved has been done, but we're created for good works. James said, show me your faith, I'll show you my works. Faith works. You, there will be good works when you're following Jesus. But it won't be so that you get brownie points from God. It won't be so that you get his approval because you're already approved. Amen? It'll be out of, that's the nature of God in you. He's good. He does good. And when we walk with him, it's just a natural thing. Amen? We can't help but be doing good works. And I hope you don't want to help it. But you can't help it. I just can't help myself. I can't help it. Just do good works. For we are his workmanship. We're not our workmanship. There's a, there's a good point. You are his workmanship. Created for good works. Amen. Which God prepared. God prepared your good works beforehand. So that we would walk in them. God has prepared a path for you to walk. That on that path. There's good works. There's signs and wonders. There's miracles. Amen. There's financial blessing. There's peace and, and hope and love. It's, he said he prepared it beforehand. God prepared. Now Jesus said that he is going to prepare a place for us. That where he is we might be also. But that's just not talking about heaven. We, we have that preached at funerals. And it, it's true because heaven is prepared for us. Heaven was made for us. Hell was not made for man. Hell was made for the devil and his demons. God never, never planned that man would go to hell. Because who wouldn't receive this free gift? But people go to hell. But it's not God's plan. It's not God's will. 
It's their choice. You have a choice. God didn't make you a robot, did he? God didn't make you a parrot. God gives you the free choice. He wants you to love him out of your own heart, out of your free will. He wants you to choose him. Amen? Now, the only people I know in here that had an arranged marriage was Spiro and Tina. They, in their village, and there was their parents arranged for them to marry each other. They didn't even know each other. They got, you know, they, they were from the same village, Kestri, and uh, their parents uh, arranged for that. Well, do you think that, I mean, they looked at each other and went, whoa, hubba hubba. I mean, they're they're good-looking people, but they didn't, you know, it it took them years to be able to walk in love with one another, and that was with Jesus. Well, Jesus doesn't want us to have a, a arranged marriage with him, does he? He wants us to choose him. Amen? You don't want... You don't want someone to come up and say, you you got to love that person. you just got to love them. You want to love them out of your own heart. I mean, sometimes you do need a little uh, coaxing and you need a little uh, exhorting to walk in love. But it's better if it comes out of your heart. So God wanted us to love him out of our hearts to receive him. Amen? But in that, he prepared a place. There's a place in God that's prepared for you. That we live and walk and have our being in that place. Amen. It's wonderful. So, verse 2, when we go back, it says we formerly walked the world. Since we formerly walked in the course of this world. There is a course that the world expects people to live in, right? The world tells us how we're supposed to live. There's voices every day. Tells women how to dress. It tells guys how to act. It tells tells you how to do what to do with your money. Tells you how to raise your children. That's the course of this world. That's not kingdom course. That's the mammon system. And so we have to we have to sometimes go against the course. Jerry Savelle has a great teaching that. He's been teaching for many years, and if you ever get an opportunity to get the DVD of it, it's it, they call it the canoe sermon. But he talks about we Christians. The world is going down. You ever been on? You ever been on a float trip or a canoe trip, and you want to go the way the the river's running, right? That's the easy way, right? You go with the course of the way the what do you call that? current the way the current's going and that's easy you know it's sometimes you don't even have to paddle you just, just make sure you stay away from the rocks and stuff but you it's easy but then if you have to turn and go against the current that's work isn't it and so we christians we are going you know like the world we're all just paddling down the world's all going the same way and then we get born again. So we have to turn our canoe. And we start going upstream. Up against what everybody else is doing. We're going upstream. Well, then something, little trouble comes along, and what happens? The canoe starts turning. And if we don't have somebody encourage us, if we're just in the canoe by ourselves, it's just easy. Just, okay, let's just go back. Let's just, this is just easy. Listen. I am not a good canoeist, and and I had lessons. I mean, I really worked at trying to do, but I never did like going in the canoe, except when the kids finally got big enough where they could paddle, and I could just be queen of the canoe in the middle and eat chocolates. That was my idea of a good canoe trip. But I didn't like it when David would start saying, Come on, Brownie, you gotta, you gotta paddle. Come on, Brownie, come on, Brownie, it's turning that way. Come on, Brownie, give it, come on. I didn't like that. That was like work. And it was supposed to be a, 
you know, a fun day. And all of a sudden I'm working. I don't like that. But, you know, faith is a work. And you have got to turn and go against the current of this world. And it will take some effort. But that's the way to victory. Amen. Look at the salmon. You know, those salmon, they go upstream. They just, it's amazing how they do that. They go up so that they can lay their eggs. They do it every year. You can count on it. You know, don't you think there might be a couple of salmon someday that say, I just don't want to do that. (laughs) I think I'm going to lay my eggs down here. Well, that salmon's going to get eaten. It's going to die because they weren't created to do that. We are not created to go the course of this world. We are created for good works. We're created as his workmanship. We are created to be peculiar people. We are not of this world. So quit trying to fit in. Now, I don't mean you got to wear this long black dress or, you know... You got to carry the biggest Bible you can find and wear the biggest cross. And I'm not talking about the way you look. I'm talking about what's in your heart, your lifestyle, your character. It ought to speak. We are, Paul said, we are epistles read of all men. Somebody is reading you today. And what are they reading? What are they reading? Are they reading the goodness of God? Are they reading the love of God? Are they reading the grace of God? Are they reading condemnation, judgment, harshness, hatred? It's our choice. But realize, we we have to look at this, that we got to remember where God brought us from. If you can remember the things that God's forgiven you for, it's easier to walk in love toward others. Because you remember when you acted ugly. And you remember how God forgave you. And other people forgave you. You remember. It's good to remember the goodness of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So verse 13, this, we're still in Ephesians 2. Verse 13 says, it's talking about how we were formerly in those things. But by grace we were saved. That we are his creation, his workmanship. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly, there's that word again, that's not, you're not supposed to be far off. You were formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. As we sang, you are, you are here, you are here. I thought of this scripture, we've been brought near to him. Why? How? Because the blood of Christ draws us. In other words, the blood, the blood covers us. The blood says we are made acceptable in the beloved. Amen. The blood speaks better things. The blood of Jesus is, you know, it, if he hadn't shed his blood, we would be hopeless, but we are not hopeless. He did shed his blood. Amen. You don't have to turn to it, but John fifteen nineteen says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. You know what? If, if the world just, you know, if everybody just loves you, I'd say, Check yourself. Now, I'm not talking about we need to be hateful. I'm not talking about arrogant. I'm just saying that there should be a division. There should be a difference. Now, the love of God will cause people to love you, even if they don't like you. <laughs> Understand? They don't want to be like you, but they'll, they'll just be drawn to you because that's the love of God. The love of God draws people to you. Now, he said, I chose you out of the world. Chose, and that's, that word chose, I chose you, he means set apart or distinct. In other words, we're, we're to be distinct from the world. 
Amen? Now, what is the world? Like, if we, We're just saying that as a general thing. But the world would be anything that's not of God. Isn't that right? We were in the world, but we're not of... We're, the, the scripture says, Jesus said, you are in the world, but you're not of the world. In other words, we're here on the earth. You know, don't pray that you go to heaven because we got some work to do. Amen? You'll go to heaven if you believe in Jesus and Jesus is your Lord. You'll go to heaven. And this time on earth will be so short, you'll think, why was I so anxious to get out of that place? Because... You know, when I first got saved, I tell you, they were all talking about Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again. They talked about it every service. And then they, I remember one night they said, we're going to pray that the Bible says, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We're supposed to pray that. So they all got at the altar praying, God, God, we're just praying, Jesus, come tonight, come quickly. And I was, I, had, I backed away, literally backed away and started weeping. And said, I can't pray that. And, and I felt like such a sinner, such a loser, because these were all spiritual people. And they said, why aren't you praying that? And I said, because i got friends that aren't saved. i got people I work with that aren't saved. If Jesus comes tonight, there's no hope. I want, I want him to delay his coming. Because I want to get my family saved. I want to get my friends saved. I want to get people I work with saved. Listen, Jesus is going to come again. But the Bible says occupy till he comes. We're an occupying force on this earth. Amen. We come to occupy. We come to take over. Amen. When an occupying force goes into a nation, they rule. And that's not to be hateful. That means we're supposed to not be swayed by the things of this world. The thing, this world has nothing. Jesus said, this world has nothing for us. Nothing. What has this world got to offer you? Jesus has, anything the world has, Jesus has better. Amen? Better. It's better. But the world sometimes looks enticing. The Bible says sin has pleasure for a season. For a season. But the wages of sin, there is a wage. There is a payment. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Which do you want? In the Old Testament, God says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He's saying, here's your choice. Multiple choice. Life or death. You get to choose. This is God. He lets us choose. You want life or you want death? Your choice. Blessing or cursing? What do you want? You want to be cursed or you want to be blessed? Your choice. But then he gives us an answer. It's an open book test, isn't it? He says, choose life. He's a loving father that doesn't want any of us to choose cursing. Doesn't want any of us to choose death. Choose life. You know choosing life is a daily thing. I'm not talking about people that are, are dealing with terminal diseases. Of course, they've got to choose life. But I'm talking about you and I. We have to choose life every day to live the life of God, to live the life that God has prepared for us, and not go down the easy current. To choose life, that's going to take some effort. Amen? It's well worth it because there's, there is goodness and grace and help and wholeness. There's, oh, there's so many good things. Why would you not choose Jesus? Well, what would my friends think? You know, I got saved, and all the people I was in the bars with, and all the people I was doing stuff with, I got saved on a Saturday. I came back to town. Sunday, Monday morning, I went to work. I worked for the newspaper in my city. I put a big old sign on my desk. First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Well, of course, people come walking in. 
How was your weekend? Where'd you go? Where'd you party this weekend? Oh, man, let me tell you about my weekend. I got every one of my friends that we were all going out together. Everyone, everyone got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And they, <laughs> we would all march into that little country church. And, you know, some of them didn't look like they should be in church. You know, the way this was an older congregation. But I'm telling you, my mama was happy. And uh, they, they would, I'd say, well, we're going to church. Okay, when's church? I mean, they didn't know when church was. See, now, I, I, was, I was playing both ends. I was going to church and being in the world. And that's just not a happy life. But I was doing that. So I knew when church was because I was the organ player. I was the organist, so I, I knew when church was. So we would just walk in, a whole crowd of them. Well, they didn't know what to think. But you know what? God just, just taught us how to be Christians. We were radically saved. We really were. We didn't go back to the clubs. The only reason I wanted to go back, I wanted to go back and witness and thank God for Holy Ghost people that told me, no, you can't do that. Sure I can. I won't drink. I'll just have a Coke. Well, they don't know that that's just Coke. You can't go back. You're going to ruin your testimony. If you want to talk to those people in the club, stay outside the door and witness to them as they come out. Okay. That'll work too. But I, I'm saying that that's the grace of God. That's choosing life. I didn't choose. I didn't want to be like that. But, you know, I wasn't perfect. I, I still messed up after I got saved. But thank God for the blood. Amen? Thank God. But we all came in just, let's go all out for God. Because instead of saying, let them change me, I changed them. Because the greater one's in me. The greater one's in you. So you don't have to give in to their pressure. You don't have to give in to what they want. Amen. Tell them about the goodness of the Lord. If you start showing forth, remember he said that we would demonstrate, we would be demonstrators. We are supposed to be demonstrators of God's goodness. We're supposed to be distributors of his grace. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 3, verse 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. said, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles, of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. And then he starts to talk about the revelation of the mystery. But there's the point I want to say. He's saying God's grace was given to him for them. Let me tell you, the grace of God is not just for you. It's given to you for others. Amen? God's grace is not to be just for you. You know, some people say, God bless us for and no more. That's a selfish thing. You might not ever pray that, but we, when we pray, we're just talking about our family and our things. Listen, once you get you fall in love with Jesus... You start walking in the love of God, you'll find you don't pray for yourself hardly at all. You don't pray for your finances. You don't pray for your, because you're praying for others. And your finances are taken care of. Your needs are met. I, I hardly ever pray. Now, I pray over my finances when I bring my offering to the altar of God. But I hardly ever pray about finances. I hardly ever do that. Because God just meets my needs, and I believe him for it. Because when I bring my gift to the altar, I thank him that he's going to meet my needs. If I, ha if I know I've got something coming up, that's when I talk to him about it. I don't, I don't spend three days praying about it. I bring my gift to the altar. I sow a seed. And I thank you, thank you, Lord, that that's taken care of. Thank you that that bill's paid. Thank you that I'm able to do that. Amen? You, that's how it is when you're walking in the kingdom. When you're not in the world, you're walking in the kingdom. Now, in, in the Amplified, in verse 2, when he talks about the grace which was given to him for us, it says, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, 
his unmerited favor that was entrusted to me, listen to this, to dispense to you for your benefit. That's what I'm talking about. We're distributors of his grace. We have the grace of God on us and in us. We walk in it. Why? To dispense it to others for their benefit. Now, a lot of people, they preach grace, but they preach it mean. You know what I mean? We're supposed to, and I'm not saying preach. I'm just talking about people. You've got to be gracious with grace. People who believe in the grace of God like we believe in the grace of God, that should make us gracious, shouldn't it? We should show forth that grace. Amen? So that means he, God has graced me. He has been gracious to me. Therefore, I ought to be gracious to you. Amen? I shouldn't be beating on you. I shouldn't be, you know, just knocking you down. I'm gracious because he's been gracious to me. Sort of goes back to that story that Jesus was telling about that man who owed a lot of money, remember? And, and he was forgiven much. You remember? But then he went back and somebody owed him just a little bit. And he wanted to put him in debtor's prison. We can't be like that. we got to remember how good God's been to us. How gracious he's been to us. How wonderful his mercies. And we show forth mercy to one another. We are gracious to one another. Because we're not formally, we're not walking as we formally walk. Listen, the world says do it to them before they do it to you. The world says, you know, take care of yourself. Think of yourself. Put yourself first. That's the opposite of what God says. Amen? Love others. Do good to them that despitefully use you, who persecute you. Pray for them. Listen, the world doesn't say, you be good to your enemies. Of course not. That's a a thought that's not of this world. That's of the kingdom. Amen? Grace is a power freely given to you by God to do everything he has called you to do, to be everything he's called you to be, and to have everything he says you can have. Amen? It's his grace. It's his grace. Even 2 Corinthians talks about there's a grace for giving. There's a grace. There's a grace for giving. Ephesians 1, 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's grace and peace that comes from God and grace and peace that comes from Jesus. The grace from God is that grace that helped you get born again, right? Amen? We're saved by grace. That's God's grace to us. But we also have to have grace to live in this world. We, get, we have grace to get saved, but you've got to have grace to live. I had to have grace to be Mrs. David Bounds. I had to have a certain grace to be a mother of Jonathan and Liberty. I had to have grace to be a pastor of this church. I have to, but you have to have grace for what you do. You need grace in, in, in your workplace. Why? So that we're demonstrators of his grace. We're distributors of his grace. So that when people are around you, they understand the grace of God. Because you show forth his grace. You show forth his love. You have to have grace in school. But there, this is the thing. There is grace for everything you need. Amen. And you, you're not just one, you know, you're not just an employee. You're, you might be a father. You might be an employee. You might be a brother. You might be a son. And you need grace in every one of those areas, and it's a different kind for each one. Amen? But there's grace for it. There's the ability to do what you need to do and to, again, go back to the Scriptures, that we demonstrate His kindness and His grace. We are to be distributors of the grace of God. Remember the Scripture talks about the supply of the Spirit. Well, that's in prayer. We have a, in prayer, we have a supply. We give forth a supply of the Spirit by prayer. But our grace, our grace is a supply also. 
that I, I give my grace to someone so that it's still the grace of God. It's not my grace. You understand what I'm saying? It's the grace of God. But I show grace to someone. You know what? It can change their life. There's been people been beat down. They've been told they're no good. They've been told they'll never amount to anything. And you just show them the love of God. And you show them the grace of God. I mean, you don't have to go preach a message. You are that. You are epistles read of all men. Amen. That's who you are. So you show that to others. And they see Jesus. Then you become a distributor of God's grace. We're all called to be distributors of God's grace. Paul said that I have the grace of God given to me for you. To dispense the benefit to you. Well, if it was for Paul, it's for us too. That we have the grace of God given to us to benefit others. Not just so that we we say, well, thank God I needed grace. Thank God you did need grace. Thank God I needed grace. But this world needs grace. Grace and love go together. Mercy, grace and love and mercy, these are all things that go together. To show God's kindness, to show God's goodness, his character. God has been so misunderstood. Don't you think? The world says God did this and God did that. God did that tornado. God did that hurricane. God did that flood. No. 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 The insurance says it was an act of God. No. 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 You want to just take your Bible into the insurance agency. And say, can I read you some scriptures? It's not an act of God. But we are the only ones that can tell this world. The world's not going to go buy a Bible, most of them. I mean, there's a few, but the majority of people aren't going to go buy a Bible to find out about God. They're going to watch you. They're going to look at you. They're going to see how you act. They're going to see how your children act. They're going to see what you do with your money. They're going to see where you go on Sundays. You know, Hebrews 10 talks about the assembling of ourselves together. It says, let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. This is showing grace to one another. Studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. That's pretty big, isn't it? That's what we're supposed to do. This is showing forth grace. We stimulate one another to love, helpful deeds. Remember, that's that good works we were created for. And noble activities. Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. See, there's a lot of people that are assembling together today. Is that right? They're assembling at the lake. They're assembling at amusement parks. They're assembling at... Ball games or assembly. There's assemblies. That doesn't make. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about believers assembling together. Why? Because there's power in that. There's power in that. It says, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people. It becomes a habit not to assemble together. How many know that? You can get out of the habit of going to church. What do you do about that? You get back in the habit. <laughs> but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging. Admonishing is warning, urging, and encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of his return. Amen? I don't want to be caught that day just doing my own thing and saying, I don't have time for you, Jesus. Can I just have a day off from you, Jesus? Wouldn't that be terrible if that's the day he came back? <laughs> Man, I messed up that day. <laughs> Shucks, Jesus, <laughs> you came back today? No! 
Live every day as though he was coming back. But live every day to the fullest. Loving people, being gracious, walking in the grace of God, walking in mercy. Listen, God's been merciful to us. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful attribute to be merciful. Amen? To consider the poor. To consider those who haven't heard. Consider the single parents. Consider the homeless. Consider the fatherless. This is just about others, not just about us. And haven't we learned that? Amen. And we can rejoice. But we're not we're not there yet. We're going that way. But let's keep going. Let's don't just say, Well, we're let's just we're doing okay. I don't want to get to the Lord's day and he stands before me and he says, Oh, you did okay, servant. I want him to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, Okay. (laughs) You know, you got standard. You got average. When I I was in school, if I came home with average, which I never did, except once in the sixth grade, I got one. But my daddy wouldn't allow average in our home. That just wasn't acceptable. We were not called to be average. My mother's, one of her favorite things, if I said I can't, she said, can't never did do anything. You're not allowed to use that word. Well, I wanted to use that word. I can't do this math. Can't never did do anything. Do your math. (laughs) But it caused us to excel because they wouldn't accept average. That might mean we had to work harder in certain subjects. Certain subjects weren't easy. We all had we all excelled in different subjects. But praise the Lord, with God, we got it made. Because He's our helper. The Holy Spirit's our helper. Jesus is our friend. We're not on our own. We have been bought with a price. Therefore, we're going to glorify God in this body. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet this morning. Amen.